I want to share something with you today, and I want you to go with me to the book of Mark chapter 13, the gospel of Mark chapter 13. And we're going to read from, let me see here. We're going to read from verse number 35. We're going to read from 35 to 37. The gospel of Mark chapter 13. I want you to open your Bibles, please. Mark chapter 13. We're going to read from verse 35 to 37. It says, watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly, he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all. Watch. Let me read that again. Verse number 35, watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Tell someone to watch. Today I want to speak to you on what I entitled Rapture Ready. Rapture ready. The ultimate issue of the hour that I believe transcends all other issues is how to be ready for the rapture of the church. You've heard me say over and over again that the rapture of the church is the next big event on God's prophetic calendar. And I would like to say that over and over again. And I want you to also remind yourself on a daily basis that this is the next big event on God's prophetic calendar. And if this is so, based on the written word of God, I truly believe we all must get ourselves ready. And today I want to show you how to be ready because it is very important. We talk a lot about getting ready, getting ready, but the question is how do we get ready? What are the things that we have to put in place? What do we need to do to get ready for the rapture of the church? The rapture of the church is the next big event on God's prophetic calendar. When you read through the word of God, you will discover that a major part of the, of the entirety of the word of God is prophecy. Do not forget that. A major part of God's word is prophecy. The Bible is a prophetic book. There are so many prophetic uh, things in the Bible that has come to pass. And some are being fulfilled right in front of us. And one of the things that is going to be fulfilled very soon is the rapture of the church. That is prophetic and that is on God's prophetic calendar and it will definitely come to pass. There is nothing the kingdom of darkness can do to stop it. There is nothing a man, there is nothing any government can do to stop it. There is nothing any human on earth can do to stop it. What God said will happen, will happen. There's going to be the rapture of the church. And I'm telling you, it's, it's imminent. It's close. It's right at the door. 
It's closer than you think. That's why where we read tells us to watch and be ready because you do not know when it's going to happen. And if Jesus said to us to watch, if Jesus said we must be ready because we do not know when it's going to happen, then I believe each of us must take this very seriously because this is a warning coming from the Lord. That day and hour no man knows. Not even the angels of God, but only my Father in heaven. That is what Jesus said. So if Jesus said the angels do not know, no man knows, but he tells us to watch, he tells us to be ready, he tells us to be on top of our game daily, then I believe it is important that each of us stay ready. Because I'm going to show you in the message today that one of the reasons why some people will miss the rapture is because they will not be ready. And that is the reason why I have to bring this word today. Because if you listen to this carefully and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that needs to be done in your heart, then you will be ready and you will not be caught sleeping when the rapture takes place. Over and over again, I keep saying to live every day as if it is your last. And this is not a message that we have decided to preach at this time and in this season. Listen, this is a message that we've preached and preached really be beginning from the early church. They have preached on the rapture of the church and they have always encouraged people to get ready. And we are not going to stop preaching this. And even if it takes the next five years, the next ten years, I don't know for the rapture to take place. We must keep preaching this because it doesn't matter if the rapture does not happen in the next 10 years, the question is this, will you be around? I think what is most important is not just getting ready for the rapture, but also getting ready because your life may be required of you when you do not even expect it. So I want everyone to understand that this message is vital. Each of us must get our hearts in place, must get our lives in place, must get our, our, our house in place and get ready because the, the rapture of the church is the next big event on God's prophetic calendar. So Jesus said, be ready, be ready, watch. That's basically what it means. Be ready all the time. Stay on top of your game. Don't let your God down. Be ready because you do not know when it is going to happen. So the ultimate issue of the hour that transcends all other issues, all other things, is the fact that we must be ready for the coming of Christ. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, are you ready to face the judge of the entire earth? When Jesus uh, came to earth, he came as the Savior when he came to earth the first time, he came as a savior. But I want to let you know that the next time you will meet him in heaven, you are not going to meet him in heaven as the savior. You're going to meet him in heaven as the judge. The Bible tells us that God has committed judgment into the hands of the son. So Jesus is going to be the judge. He is the judge. The next time we meet him in heaven, we're not meeting him as the Savior. When he came to earth, he came as the Savior. The Bible says the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. The Bible says he that sinneth is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. 
But for this reason, the Son of Man was manifest, that he would destroy the works of the devil. So we understand the first time he came to earth, he came as the savior of the world. And Jesus is still saving men. Jesus is still the savior. He's still in the business of setting people free. And he's still in the business of delivering them from the clutches of darkness. But I want you to understand the next time you meet him in heaven, you are not going to meet him as the savior. Rather, you're going to meet him as the judge. Jesus is the judge. And you've heard about the white throne judgment. You've heard about the, the Bema judgment. And that is to say, everyone that stands before the white throne judgment will be going to a lost eternity. But everyone that stands at the judgment, uh, the, the Bema judgment, will be receiving a reward for what they have done on earth with their lives, for what they have done on earth with the gift and the grace and the ability that God has given to them as believers. So it's important to understand two judgment seats. White throne judgment seat for everyone that refused to give their lives to Jesus. For everyone that died without Christ. The reason people will go to hell is not because of sin necessarily. The reason they will go to hell is because they refused to give their lives to Christ so and accept and to accept the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has made for them. That is the reason, because it is only Christ that guarantees you a place in heaven. It is not how good you live. It is not the good works you do. It is not how nice you speak. No, the only one that guarantees you a place in heaven is Jesus Christ. And that is when you accept him into your heart as your Lord and as your savior. But if Christ is not in you, you have no place in heaven. The Bible says Christ in me, hope of glory. If Christ is not in you, you've got no hope of glory. So if you stand before the white throne judgment seat, it means you are doomed. It means you're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire that burns with sulfur and brimstone. The Bible says there the worms don't die and the fire is not quenched. But then there is the judgment at Bema, which is basically God rewarding Jesus, rewarding his saints for the things that they've done. The Bible says we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we shall give account of the things we've done here on earth, whether good or bad. So that's why as a Christian, take note, you're going to give account for the stuff that you did. Everything you do here on earth, you're going to give account. Don't ever forget that. And so you shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ and you shall give account. And the Bible makes that very clear. I believe it's the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where it talks about uh, we're, we're going to stand and present our works to the Lord and our works shall pass through fire. And if any man's work has been built with gold, silver, and precious stone, the works of that person will succeed and the person will be rewarded. But if any man's work has been built on uh, with wood, hair, and stubble, the work of that person or the works of that person will be burnt up. The person will be saved, but as through fire. Amen. So it's very important. Very important. So it's important that we understand it, that when Jesus first came, he came as the Savior. When you meet him in heaven, 
You're not meeting him in heaven as the savior. You're meeting him in heaven as the judge. So for you to be ready when Jesus comes, here are a few things I want you to consider. If you want to be ready, you say, Pastor Godwell, what must I do to be ready? Here are the things that needs to be done uh, for you to be ready because we're talking about the rapture of the church and we're talking about meeting with Jesus in glory, not as Savior, but when you meet with him, you're going to meet with him as the judge. Now, what must you do to be ready? Number one, you must be born again. Very, very simple. You, you think I was going to give you this complex, complicated uh, thing to do? No, no, no. You must be born again. That is the simplest thing that I need you to understand needs to be done. You must be born again. When Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in the book of John chapter 3, he said, do not marvel that I say unto you, you must be born again. Notice Jesus said, it's a must. You cannot see the kingdom of heaven if you are not born again. It's not possible. So number one, it's you must be born again. You're watching me right now. I want to say to you, if you are not born again today, you must be born again. The Bible says now it's when to be born again. The Bible said today is the day of salvation. The Bible said now is the time to turn away from a life of sin, a life of the flesh, to let the Lord set you free from the power of darkness, to move you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love, in whom the Bible says we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. When Jesus comes into your life, your life will never ever be the same again. The Bible says that he came to seek and to save the lost. He came to preach the kingdom of God and to bring the kingdom of God. He came to set men and women free, not just from sin, but also from the consequence of sin. Amen. So, Jesus came to set men free. Jesus came to deliver us. Jesus came. In, in actual fact, the name Jesus means salvation. Name Jesus means salvation. Hallelujah. So it's appointed unto men once to die. And after that, judgment. That's Hebrews 9.27. But it says, uh, 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 uh. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I need you to understand that Jesus came to set men free. He came to deliver you. He came to set you free. He came to break the power of sin and the power of death over your life. Sin does not have to control you. Satan does not have to control you. You can live a life that is full of God. For God so loved the world. What did he do? He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him will not perish. But have 
everlasting life. The Bible said God did not send his son to condemn the world. John 3, 17. But he sent his son to save the world. Jesus came that you might be saved. Jesus came that you might be delivered. Jesus came that you might be set free. And if you will be born again today, that is the number one key. That's the number one requirement. If you will be born again today, your sins will be forgiven. Jesus will come into your life. Jesus will set you free. Jesus will not just break the power of sin off of your life, but he will deliver you from the power of sin. He will deliver you from the consequence of sin. And you do not, you, you do not have to live a life of sin. You do, not have, you do not have to live a life of the flesh. You can live a life that will bring him glory on a daily basis. He will wash you with his precious blood. He will fill you with his spirit. He will empower you by his anointing. And he will set your feet on a path that you must follow. And when it's all said and done, the day the rapture will take place, you will be raptured. The Bible says we shall not all sleep. We shall be changed in a twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet of God shall sound, and the dead in Christ will rise up first. And we that are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we always be with the Lord. Can someone say praise the Lord? So... When you are born again, you are delivered from sin. You are delivered from the consequence of sin. For the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. The gift of God. Ah, the gift of God. Jesus is the gift of God. Jesus is eternal life, for, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ. Can someone say amen? Praise God. I said, praise God. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Praise God. My God, whenever I, I talk about this verse, I, I, I praise God because it does not stop at death. Yes, we died because of sin. The Bible says, through one man, sin came into the world and sin reigned in the lives of every human but by my God, the Bible also says that through another man, and that is Jesus, life came. And when you give your life to Christ, the power of sin and the power of death is broken off of your life. And the life of Christ is infused into your spirit and you become born again. In actual fact, if you think about 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul puts it beautifully. Amen. If any man is in Christ, is a new creation all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Can someone say amen? And so when you are born again, when you are saved, when you are delivered, when you are filled with the very life of God, the Zoe life of God, the power of sin is broken, the power of the devil is broken, all the bondage in your life is removed. You are moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. The power of Satan, it's not over your life anymore. You begin to live a life of holiness and righteousness and you begin to get yourself ready because the day is coming when the rapture will take place and if the rapture does not take place before you close your eyes in death the day you close your eyes in death you will cross from this side of eternity to the other side of eternity can someone say the bible says that uh, beautiful in the eyes of the lord is the death of his saints 
absent in the body is present with the Lord. So the day comes when you close your eyes in death and you cross over to the other side into the place of glory and paradise and you will be with him forever and ever. Praise God. Hallelujah. I said praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. My God, this is the gospel. This is good news. This is good news. This is the first thing you must do to get ready. First thing you must do to get ready. Born, be born again. Be born again. If you're not born again, be born again. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In, in, in uh, uh, Hebrews 9.27 it says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. So the day is coming when you will be judged. But listen, if you will give your life to Jesus today, then when you stand before the bema, that's where you're going to stand when you become a child of God. You're not going to stand before the white throne judgment. You're going to stand before the judgment abema. And that means you're going to be receiving reward for what you've done with your life here on earth to the glory of God. So number one, you must be born again. When Jesus came to earth, you know, people thought he was going to set up a physical kingdom. But that was not what he came to do. Jesus did not come to earth the first time to set up a physical literal kingdom. But I need you to understand, the day is coming when Jesus will set up his throne in Jerusalem. Jesus will set up his throne, his physical literal kingdom on earth, and he will rule the world with a rod of iron. And that is at the 1,000 millennial reign of Christ. And I'm telling you, that is also on God's prophetic calendar. And those that are born again and live a life of righteousness and holiness and accomplish the purpose and keep themselves pure and keep themselves in the things of God, when the rapture will take place, they will be raptured. And then we shall come back when Jesus will set up his throne here and we shall rule and reign with him because he is the king of kings. That day is coming. But I need you to understand that until you have accepted the kingdom in your heart, you cannot come into the kingdom literally. So the kingdom of God must first and foremost be birthed in your heart. The kingdom of God must first and foremost be set up in your heart. John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus showed up and said, repent for the kingdom of God is here. And when you give your life to Christ, the kingdom of God will be set up in your heart. And the day comes when he will set up his physical, literal kingdom and set up the headquarters in Jerusalem. And you and I will rule and reign with him. But right now, his kingdom needs to be set up in your heart. Right now, his kingdom needs to be set up in the hearts of people. And the day will come when his kingdom will be set up on earth as a physical, literal kingdom. So I say to you, unless you are born again, 
you cannot see the kingdom of God. Can someone say amen? So how do I get ready? How do I get ready, Pastor God, to what you're preaching today? How do I get ready for the rapture? How do I get ready to meet the Lord? How do I get rapture ready? Number one, be born again. And number two, number two, how do I get ready? Do not be entangled with the things of this world. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things of this world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Most Christians have a deep desire in their hearts to be ready at the coming of the Lord. I truly believe this with all of my heart. Most Christians, they have a deep desire in their hearts. They want to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Nevertheless, the scripture makes it very plain that there shall be so many who will be caught unaware. And because they will not be ready, they will be left behind. They will be left behind. And, and, if, and, and if you are left behind, there will be regret and sorrow. So when we preach like this, it's a message to warn people. Yes, I believe most Christians, deep down their hearts, they want to be ready. Deep down their hearts. I don't believe there is any Christian you would ask, do you want to be raptured? And they'll say no. I believe every Christian wants to be raptured. I believe every Christian wants to be ready at the coming of the Lord. I truly believe it. There is no Christian that would say, I don't want to be ready. Everyone wants to be ready. Everyone wants to do what it takes to be ready. But not everyone would do what it takes to be ready. I wish it wasn't so. I wish everyone would do what it takes to be ready. But not everyone would do what it takes to be ready. So why are you preaching this, Pastor Gordon? If you do not believe, not everyone would do what it takes to be ready. Well, I hope everyone would do what it takes to be ready. That's why we preach it. We don't make decisions for people. We preach this and we want to to. Present this to people so that they know what it takes to be ready and they will do what it takes to be ready. And I, I pray that we will be able to help many as they hear messages like this to get ready. Think about Noah. This man Noah preached for 120 years and nobody except him and his family was ready to get into the boat. No one else was ready. The man preached for 120 years. The Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness. The man preached righteousness for 120 years. Just think about how long this man preached and preached and preached and preached. And people heard him, but some mocked him. Some did not even want to listen. Those who listened probably mocked him. And they didn't believe what he was saying. But the day came when they got into the ark. So that's why we preach. We are not going to stop preaching. We're not going to stop sounding. And Jesus said, what I told you in private, I want you to climb up the rooftop and I want you to declare it. I want you to go up the mountain and I want you to speak it from the mountain so that everyone will hear you. That is the reason why we're doing what we're doing because we want people to hear that the coming of the Lord is close, that the rapture of the church is the next big event on God's prophetic calendar. And we want everyone, not just those that are watching right now, not just Christians, 
Christians, but those that are not even born again. That is why we preach this, so that Christians will also rise up and understand that there are many going to a lost eternity. And Jesus came that he might set them free and deliver them and prepare them for himself as the bride of the Lord, so that when he returns, they will be ready. That's why we all must do our job. Each of us must do what we have been saved and placed upon the earth to do. We, are, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. That is very important that everyone will grab a hold of this and run with this and accomplish the purpose of God. Praise God. So everyone, I believe, wants to be ready, but... Would everyone be ready? I don't think so. So some, and I do not, and I pray you that's watching this right now will not be in this, in this group that will miss the rapture. And the reason some will miss the rapture, may not be because of deliberate sin, but simply because they allowed themselves to become over-involved in the cares of this life. Listen to that carefully. The reason some may miss the rapture, it's not because of deliberate sin, but simply because they allowed themselves to become over-involved in the cares of this life. Jesus tells the seriousness of this danger by giving us two illustrations. Now we're talking about those that will miss the rapture. Those that will not be ready when Jesus will return. Those that will not. So when we talk about the return of Christ, I'm, I'm using rapture as that, okay? Of course, there is a big difference between the rapture and the return. Okay, you understand what I mean by that? But of course... Uh, the rapture is the catching away of the church, the catching away of the saints. And Jesus will, will, will meet Jesus up in the clouds. Amen. But the second coming of Christ is totally different from the, the, catching, of, the catching of the church or the rapture of the church. Do you understand that? So the reason this happens may not be because of deliberate sin. That's the reason why uh, some will miss the rapture. It may not be because of deliberate sin, but because they allow themselves to become over-involved in the cares of this life. And Jesus tells us the seriousness of this danger by giving us two illustrations. Number one, illustration he gives to us. It's in the book of Luke chapter 17, verses 26 and 27, and it reads, And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. Now I want you to notice the comparison. Jesus is comparing the days of Noah to his own coming or to the rapture. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. Notice, they ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. 
So the first illustration that Jesus gives to us is here in Luke 17, the days of Noah, 26 and 27. We notice that he referred to the conditions that prevailed in the days of Noah. And then he also noted that this history is going to repeat itself. <coughs> Excuse me. Notice that's what he said, as it was in the days of Noah. So basically, this is going to happen again. Now, I want you to notice something here. There is nothing wrong with eating or drinking or marriage. Nothing wrong with that. When Christ was here on earth, Christ ate, right? Christ also drank. Christ also attended uh, a marriage at Cana of Galilee. But the problem is, notice, notice, these men in the days of Noah were so occupied with, the, with earthly matters to the point where they ignored spiritual matters. Their focus was so much on material things, getting married, uh, business. People, people got so busy that they totally ignored what was most important. So they made what was important irrelevant. And they made what was less important the most important in their lives. That's what Jesus is talking about. As it was in the days of Noah. What was prevalent in the days of Noah? It says they ate. Is there anything wrong in eating? No, there's nothing wrong in eating. They drank. Is there anything wrong in drinking? There's nothing wrong in drinking. Of course, drinking the right drink. There's nothing wrong in drinking. It says they married wives. Notice, there's nothing wrong in marrying a woman. There's nothing wrong in marrying a man. Nothing wrong in that. This is not the problem. The problem is this. The problem is they valued and exalted and were so preoccupied with these things that they did not care about their spiritual lives. That was the problem. Can you see that? As it was in the days of Noah. That's exactly what's happening today. People are so preoccupied with material things, with natural life. They give little or no, no, no attention to their relationship with the Lord. Notice I said earlier on that Christians that will miss the rapture will not miss the rapture just because of an outright life of sin. No, no, no. That's not what Jesus talks about. Not an outright life of sin. I don't care about God. No, no, that's not the attitude. Or people are committing all kinds of craziness. That is not the case. The case is when people ignore the things of God and begin to give attention more to the things of the flesh. Or they care more about the things of the flesh than they care about the things of God. That is exactly the picture that Jesus is painting right here in front of us. So there is nothing wrong in eating or drinking or getting married. Because Christ ate and he drank and he attended a wedding. So the evil lies when these men become too completely occupied or preoccupied in these earthly matters that they made them the most important focus in their lives. 
They did not only forget spiritual things, but they ignored them. And that's why you notice when Noah preached and preached and preached, they ignored the message. They did not want to listen because they were so preoccupied with material things. The second illustration that Jesus gave to us is Luke chapter 17, verse 28 to 30. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot. Notice, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Are you seeing these are the two illustrations as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot. Notice in the days of Noah, he preached for 120 years. And the day the judgment of God was released upon humanity was when Noah and his family had entered into the ark and God himself locked it. That, I believe, is symbolic to the rapture. So in other words, the judgment or the wrath of God will not be released while the church is here. Can you see that? Noah and his family had to enter into the ark and the door had to be locked by God himself. The, the door of the ark was not locked by Noah. It was locked by God. And it was when they had entered, that was when the wrath of God was released. And Jesus said, that's how it's going to be. In the days of Lot, notice, I need you to see this because there's something I'm trying to emphasize here and I want you to get it. Not necessarily an out, outright living a life of sin, just serving the devil. No, no, no. Notice, notice. The things that Jesus draw our attention to when he talks about the days of Lot. <laughs> Think about this. Lot lived in Sodom. And if you're a student of basic, you know, basic biblical knowledge, you understand the land of Sodom was, was a vile, vile, terrible place. Men were committing all kinds of things with men. It was a terrible, vile place. But when Jesus made comparison to, the, to his coming or to the rapture with the days of Lot, notice he did not say they were committing sexual sin, they were stealing and killing and fighting. That's not what he said. Notice what he said. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. Is, any, is there anything wrong in, in, in buying and eating and selling and, and, and planting and building? Nothing wrong with this stuff. That's why I'm trying to emphasize that the reason some Christians will miss the rapture, it's not because of an outright life of sin. I don't care. I'm just going to live in the flesh and do whatever I want. No. Notice it's because they were so preoccupied with material pursuits. With natural stuff. To the point where they did not care about their spiritual lives anymore. They were so engrossed in these things that they did not entertain the slightest 
suspicion that they would never see the light of day tomorrow. They, they, they didn't even think about it. But suddenly, here comes the wrath of God. But before the wrath of God was poured out upon Sodom and Gomorrah, God's men had to be removed. God had to remove Lot from that place. Because while Lot was still there, God couldn't judge the nation. While the church is still here, the wrath of God is not going to be poured out. The Antichrist will not come to carry out his evil. The wrath of God will not be released either. I mean, I read the book of Revelation, my God, and I just wonder, the stuff that's going to happen, I mean, how, why would the Lord allow you to go through stuff like that? We're not destined to the wrath of God. We're not destined unto the wrath of God. Praise God. And so it is with mankind today, being so engrossed with their work, their pleasures, their hobbies, their plans, that despite the fact that the signs are staring them in the face, there are, I'm telling you, we're preaching this, we, we, we are talking about this like on a daily basis, and the signs are all over the place staring you in the face, and some people still don't see it, and you wonder sometimes, how come you cannot see? How come you don't see? Don't you see? Don't you see? Don't you understand? Can people be that blind that they can't even understand and perceive? Even those that are blind naturally, they can perceive, they can smell, they can feel, they, they can sense that there's evil around them. How blind can someone get that they don't see and understand the times that we're living in? Something is wrong. And what is wrong is people are so engrossed with natural material things and, and all the things of the world. That's why I said, love not the world. Don't love the things of the world. Don't, don't make those things your priority. Don't set up these idols in your heart. Because if you do, you will not be ready. Jesus is, I'm telling the rapture of the church is for those that are expecting it. Those expecting it. Praise God. So I want you not to forget. Don't ever forget the two illustrations that Jesus gave to us. So my number two key to get ready for the rapture. It's do not be entangled with the things of the world. People are so entangled. Entangled with this, entangled with that, entangled with relationships that's leading them the path of sin, entangled with stuff. I mean, people are entangled with all kinds of things. Pursuit for this and pursuit for that. And oh, nobody's saying you shouldn't get into relationships. Nobody's saying you shouldn't uh, uh, succeed in life. No, nobody's saying you shouldn't have drive for success. That's not what I'm saying today. What I'm saying is, but if all this stuff is pulling you away from your, your commitment to God. You look at your life today, your commitment for God is dropped. Oh, I, I used to be so committed. I used to serve God. Listen, the reason why you are not as committed as you used to be is because you've allowed these things to take the place of your commitment to the Lord. That's key number two. That's key number two. 
That's key number two. Don't be entangled with the things of this world. These guys that Jesus gave to us here in the days of Noah and the days of Lot, notice, I mean, it just, I mean, I, I really love it. And I, I, I hope somebody gets it today. Just get it. Especially with, with Lot. The guy was living in a, in a vile society. His heart was broken daily, seeing the way those men lived. Every day, he saw the evil, he saw the vile things they did. But when Jesus made comparison with that time, Jesus did not say because of the adultery or because of the vile things they did. No, that's not what he said. He said because they were buying Building, eating, drinking. That's what he said. Interesting. So how can eating and buying and building stop you from making the rapture? <laughs> you see now, they were engrossed in this stuff. It took their time. They were so busy working, busy making money, busy with business, busy with work, busy with their with their stuff, but not busy about God's stuff. People, the moment you begin to drop your level of commitment to God, something has gone wrong, majorly gone wrong. Listen, and the deception is when you don't see it. It's, it's in the Bible. Notice Jesus said, how, can, how possible is it for you guys to know how to discern the, the weather? You know when summer is coming. You know when fall is coming. You know when it's winter. You can tell the, the weather, but can, how come you cannot tell the weather and the spirit? Jesus was asking them this question. How come you can tell the weather? You can tell when it's summer. You can tell when the uh, flowers are going to begin to bloom. You can tell all of this natural stuff. How come you can tell the season and the spirit? The reason they don't and they can't and many still can't today is because they are dull in the spirit. Is because they have been dumbed down by all kinds of things. The natural weight that they carry upon themselves have dumbed them. That's why Hebrews chapter 12, I believe, where it talks about put away all those things that weigh you down and they hinder you and they slow down the pace. These things are not sin, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12. But they weigh you down, they slow you down. And then it talks about the sins that easily beset you. There are sins that easily beset you, but there are weights. The weights are not sin. Sin and weights. There are weights and there are sin. He said, get rid of the weight. You can't be carrying that 120 kilogram on yourself and expecting to run your race well. You're too busy with stuff. You're too busy. That's what Jesus said to Martha. Martha, Martha, you are so busy with stuff. You're so busy with the cares of this life. Mary has chosen the thing that will never be taken away from her. In no way am I advocating that people will be lazy. Don't get me wrong. I know that is the twist some people will, will, will give to this message. But I'm, I, need to, I, need to, I need to clarify that. 
In no way am I saying don't, don't have a drive for success. Don't, oh, if you look at worldly people, they succeed. They work for uh, uh, 18 hours a day, every day. They sleep for four hours. Praise God for that. Nobody's saying you shouldn't do that. But if that has become the ultimate priority in your life, and you know when it has taken the place of God in your life, I cannot judge that. You can judge that. The Bible says if we judge ourselves, God will not judge us. So you know when stuff have clotted your spiritual life and you are not where you used to be. Your prayer life is not what it used to be. You know, you don't win souls anymore. You, you hardly go to church. How can you tell me that you are okay when all this stuff is taking place in your life? The Bible says we know them by their fruit. Where is the passion? Where is the zeal you once had? The Bible says, be zealous for God. The Bible says, let your fervency continue to burn brighter. Don't let it drop. Don't let your fire die out. How can you tell me I am still fervent? I am still zealous when I don't see it. This is what Jesus is talking about. As it was in the days of Noah. As it was in the days of Lord. They were buying. They were drinking. They were marrying. They were giving into marriage. They were building. Nothing wrong in doing these things. It's okay to do these things. But they've taken the place of these people to the point where they had nothing to do with spiritual things. And they dropped their commitment. And, they, and that's what is going on today. That's why I'm preaching this. Make sure that you are not entangled to the things of the world. Love not the world. Love not the things of this world. I'm telling you, I can stay on this number two for the next 10, 20 minutes. But I'm telling you, I need to emphasize this. And I want the Holy Spirit to burn this into your heart. And I want you to begin to make the adjustments in your life. Because if you continue the way you are going, if you continue living like you're living, you may miss the rapture. And it's going to be a time of sorrow. It's going to be a time of... Of regret you don't need to go through that you don't want to waste all the years you spent calling yourself a Christian all the years you spent with all the great things you've done for the kingdom of God all the years you spent all the effort all the energy all the sweat you've put into the kingdom and then the day comes when the rapture takes place for the trumpet of God will sound and the dead in Christ will be raised first and we that are alive and remain will be cut up to meet the Lord in the air and that day comes and you miss it what will you say? How will you handle yourself? People around you, people who knew you to be a Christian. Now the question is, why, why are you not with them? Why did you miss it? I pray in Jesus' mighty name that that will not be the case with you. But you've got to make the adjustment in your life and allow the Lord to burn out everything that has taken God's place. All the web, all the cobwebs that's come into your life and all the things that's come to clot up your life. You've got to say, Lord, burn them out by your fire. I don't want to be the same, but you've got to repent and make the adjustments in your life. And, and there's a part for you to play. That's number two. I'm still on number two. Hallelujah. Whew. How do I get ready for the rapture? Number three, watch and pray always. Watch and pray always. Listen carefully. Number three is watch and pray always. Notice always. Pray always. The Bible says praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. 
praying always. The Bible said, pray without ceasing. The Bible said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Jesus went into the garden of Gethsemane with Peter, James, and John, and he said, wait here and pray. And Jesus went further, and Jesus knelt down, and Jesus prayed, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass over me. Nevertheless, not my will, but let your will be done. And the Bible says, one hour later, he came back, and he saw Peter, James, and John, they were sleeping. And Jesus said to them, are you sleeping? Watch and pray, so that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray. And Jesus went back to pray for another hour. Came back and they were still sleeping. And Jesus went again the third time and prayed. And came back and tapped them. Said, boys, wake up. Wake up. Many are sleeping. No, it's not time to sleep. It's time to watch. It's time to pray. Watch in prayer. It's time to stay awake. On the street as you walk, pray. While you're riding on the bus, pray. Laying in your bed, pray. Spend time with God, driving in your car, pray, watch, watch and pray. Stay alert in the spirit. Commune with God on a daily, constant basis. Don't let anything take God's place. Don't be too caught up with social media and television. Watch and pray. Stay awake in the spirit. Stay awake in the spirit. Watch and pray. Luke chapter 21, verse 34 to 36. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. And that day, that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare. The word snare is the word, it's trap. Notice Psalm 91. He will deliver you from the snare, the trap of the fowler. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always. Watch therefore. Jesus speaking here. Watch therefore and pray always. That you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass. And to stand before the Son of Man. Watch and pray that you may be counted worthy. Watch and pray. If you don't watch and pray, you will not be counted worthy. This is not the word of a man. This is the word of Jesus Christ himself, the head of the church. Watch, watch and pray that you may be counted worthy. If I don't watch and pray, I won't be counted worthy. I have to watch and pray. Watch and pray. Stay on my God. Keep my God up. Stay at the Lord. Like a security guard who would not let his God down. You have to watch and pray so that you will not be counted. You will not miss it. You will not be found napping. You will not be found sleeping. So how can, how can we avoid that day from coming upon us as a snare? We are to beware that the pleasures of the world and the cares of life will not divert our attention. The only way we can avoid this is to make prayer a business in our lives. Prayer has got to be a business. It's a business with God daily. Watch and pray. Because one of the things, one of the things that prayer will guarantee is humility. When you pray, you are saying, God, I'm humble. I can do it. I can make it if you don't help me. That's prayer. That's prayer. And what does God do? The Bible says he will give grace to the humble, but he will resist the proud. 
Those who don't pray don't understand that they are full of pride. Because the thing they can do, they can make it on their own. But prayer humbles you. You go to God and say, Lord, it's you. It's you alone. I can't do it without you. Help me, Lord. I trust you with all my heart. If you don't help me, I'm finished. If you don't help me, the enemy will take me out. If you don't help me, sin will take me out. Lord, you are able to keep me from falling and present me spotless before your glorious presence on that day. Lord, I'm watching. Lord, I'm praying. Help me. Hold me. Carry me. Strengthen me. By your spirit, by your anointing, I'm depending upon you. That's prayer. We are, we are to pray always. If we are to be counted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. If we will escape and stand before the Son of Man, just like Lot escaped, just like Noah escaped, we must watch and pray. So prayer has got to be our business. Praise God. Hallelujah. Labor, lab, labor in prayer. Labor in prayer. Prayer is work. But not the work of the flesh. Prayer is spiritual work. Prayer is spiritual work. Prayer is spiritual work. Thank you, Jesus. Prayer is spiritual work. Praise God. The last thing I'm going to give to you as I finish out this message. How do I get ready? How do I get rapture ready? Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. I believe it's Matthew 25 when you read the story of the five wise and the five foolish virgins. The Bible says that the five wise virgins had oil and they had extra oil. When you study the Word of God, you understand that oil is symbolic to the Holy Ghost. Oil is, oil is symbolic to the Spirit. The oil of the Spirit. My head you anoint with fresh oil. He anoints your head with oil and your cup run it over. Oil is symbolic to the Spirit. So, five wise virgins had what? Oil and extra. This is the time to get oil. Because oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be filled with the same Spirit Jesus spoke about. In Acts 1.5 it says, For truly John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. We have to be filled. Listen, to be filled with the Spirit as a believer is not difficult. All you've got to do, lift your hands and say, Lord, fill me. And see what happens. He will fill you. He will fill you. He will fill you. Spend time with God in, in, in privacy. And see what happens. See if you will be dry. See if you will be still. Because God will come and refresh you. The rain of heaven will fall upon you mightily. And your vessel will be filled. And your vessel will overflow. You've got to stay filled with the Holy Ghost. The five foolish virgins did not have enough oil. And what happened? When they saw, oh, the, 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 the shout went out, oh, get ready, the bridegroom is coming. And they realized, oh, my God, I'm not ready. 
I don't have enough oil. I don't have enough of the spirit. He said, okay, uh, can you give us some? They said, no, we can't give you our oil. If you give you our oil, it won't be enough for all of us. So go to the dealers. Get some for yourself. By the time they went to the dealers and uh, came back, the, the bridegroom had come. The virgins were in and the door was locked, just like Noah. I mean, just like Noah, exactly. He locked it himself. The door was locked. The moment it happens, the rapture takes place. There is, look, you have to live through the time of the tribulation. You have to and be killed. You, the moment you take the mark of the beast, you're done. There is no way, no, no solution the moment you take the mark of the beast. There is no way out. The moment you accept it, there is no way out. You are not too young to give your life to Christ. You're 12, 13, 14. You're not too young. 15, oh, I'm still young. I have time. No, you don't have time. You're not too young. If you don't give your life to Jesus and live the life that brings God glory, 12 years old, 13 years old, you're old enough to know. Righteousness, I'm unrighteousness. Uh, the way of God and the way of the devil. The rapture takes place, you will miss it. Then people will be, will be, will be, people will be, um, will come under so much pressure. The pressure will be so terrible that it will be difficult to resist taking the mark of the beast. I mean, just look at the pandemic. Look at how one virus shut down the nations. Shut down the nations. The Bible tells us that when the Antichrist comes, those that refuse to take the mark of the beast will not be able to buy and sell. No commerce. If you can't buy and sell, it means you, you won't eat. Today, some Christians, think about it. Some people cannot even wait on the Lord in prayer and fasting for a week, for two days. How will you do? How will you survive? A month with no food. A month with no water. Even when we go on an extended fast of like 21 days or 30 days, we, we, seven days, we drink water. We drink a lot of liquid. Because your body can't handle it without liquid. What will you do? 10 days. You, if you can't push away the plate of food, how will you do when you can't even do commerce? You can't buy, you can't sell, you wouldn't have food to eat, you wouldn't have drink. What will you do? Guess what people, they'll give in to the plan of the Antichrist. Take the mark of the beast so that they can eat food. Because <laughs> without it, no food, no money, no, I mean, people be running from one place to the other. Get serious with God, people. Don't take, listen, get serious with God. Get serious with God. Don't take the things of God for granted. And, and you, you, you don't want to get, you don't want to, you don't want to miss the rapture and, 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 you know, talk about bite your feet. People talk about biting your finger in regret. 
if I knew, if only I listened, if only I did what they said, if only I obeyed God, if only, but it's too late. It'll be too late at the time. How do you get ready? Be born again, number one. How do you get ready? Number two, do not entangle yourself with the things of this world. How do you get ready? Number three, be, uh, watch and pray. And how do you get ready? Number four, be filled with the Spirit of God.